Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Raising the saints from the grave. Raising the saints from the grave. The book of Matthew, chapter number 27 If you are a note taker, I would write these scripture references down. They all kind of intertwine together into how the saints arose from the grave. So Matthew chapter 27 and verses 50 to 53. The word says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So it's one of those type of verses, I think it's good to read it through twice. I'm going to read through verse 53 and 54 again. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. It's mysterious, isn't it? Perplexing. You almost have to read it a few times. You know, from time to time, the Bible speaks in a, in a mystery, a dark saying. Sometimes it's written like a parable, sometimes like an illustration. And I've taken all the things that the Bible communicates through, all of the aspects of that, and I have concluded that this is just as plain and as simple as can be, that when our Lord hung on that cross his crucified body in a weakened state. I've read Roman history. They said a person's voice would leave them when they were on the cross. But our Lord in that weakened state was able to cry out with a loud voice, a loud voice that I think the entire city of Jerusalem heard. The sky was darkened. And after he cried out, there was a great earthquake. It says the rocks were splitting. And not only that, but graves opened up. Rocks that covered the graves opened up. And after his resurrection, many of the bodies of the saints that were in those graves came crawling out of those graves, wandering into the holy city, Jerusalem, and appearing to many. It is no wonder the Roman centurion, a pagan who worshiped Zeus, and worshipped Athena and Apollo and all of those gods, looked at a darkened sky, a man crucified, able to cry out with a loud voice, the earthquake, the graves opening up. It is no wonder he turned and said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. I love this Bible. I love this church. I love all of the natural things that you and I get to enjoy day after day. But let me tell you something else. God is not just dependent upon the natural for this generation, but he is dependent upon the supernatural. 
Can I tell you this with your own eyes? I would like to be able to see, amen, blinded eyes open. I'd like to hear, amen, and see deaf ears opened up. I would like to see miracles of healing. I would like to see devils cast out. And yes, one day, I would like to see the dead raised with my own eyes. You want to know why? Because God is alive, and he is alive in us, and I want to see him work the miraculous. Can you clap your hands under the Lord? Amen. That veil on that temple tore wide open as a sign from God for all of the world. It's no longer just my Levites that get to come into my presence. You think about that. The only people that ever got to feel the glory of God were the high priest, generation after generation, when they would go behind that veil on the Day of Atonement and offer a sacrifice, the blood on the mercy seat. They were the only people that could feel the presence of God. Maybe from time to time a psalmist could and maybe from time to time a prophet could. But for the most part, it was only the priest that could ever feel the presence of God. But when that veil tore, it was a sign to the world that my spirit is not just going to fall in the Holy of Holies, but it's going to fall in an upper room. It's going to fall on the streets. Amen. It's going to fall. Amen. Here, there, and even here in Kansas City in the year 2022, the same thing that the high priest felt. Amen. We're feeling it here tonight as we call upon Jehovah Jireh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That veil opened up, and the graves of Jerusalem opened up. The graves back then were not quite like ours. For the most part, our graves are underground with a headstone. They did something similar like that here and there, but for the most part in Jerusalem, and if you ever get the chance to go there, you'll see their tombs. They hollow them out in the rocks on the hills. They carve out openings, and that is where they place their loved ones and usually roll a stone or cover it with some type of debris. And when our Lord cried out, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit, all of those openings opened up. The graves all opened up as a sign to all of Jerusalem and to all of the readers that this man, Jesus Christ, shook something among the dead. The Jews always believed in an afterlife. There's not much written about heaven, hell, death, and things like that in the Old Testament. Really, in the Old Testament, the greatest joy that you would have is to live according to the covenant of Moses and have a beautiful wife and kids and have great crops and great livestock and enjoy living in freedom away from the enemies. That was the greatest hope and the greatest joy that you have was to live in the old covenant. But what about after death? What did you have? Even in the Old Testament, there was not much to look forward to. There was no hope there for even David said, who can praise the Lord in the grave? Who can be among the living in the grave? According to rabbinical tradition, they had a place that they believed to be called Abraham's bosom. And the resources that I've read and what I gather just from reading the word of God, why they called it the place that the Jews, the, the righteous of the Old Testament, went to Abraham's bosom, it was taken from the book of Genesis when the patriarchs would die. It says that when they died, they were gathered together to their fathers. When Abraham died, he was gathered to his fathers. 
When Isaac died, he was gathered to his fathers. When Jacob died, he was gathered to his fathers. Several places like that, prominent people, they were always gathered to the fathers. Now think about that, they're buried in a grave. How are they gathered to the fathers in the grave? So a lot of them weren't even buried with their fathers. They were buried with different places. What that was, it was a revelation by the Bible writers that they were gathered together, not so much in the earthly grave, but their soul went to another place where their fathers were. And because Abraham was said of him, the first one in the Bible to be gathered together to his fathers was Abraham. So therefore, they took on that name, Abraham's bosom, or close to Abraham, where Abraham is. That is where we go in our afterlife. There's many historical rabbinical writings about this. Josephus, the historian, wrote about the Hebrew doctrine of a place that the Greeks called Hades. Josephus said Hades is a place where there is no light, a place for the wicked souls of the dead guarded by evil angels who impose temporary punishments upon people based upon one's behavior and manner in which they lived. There is a place near Hades called the Lake of Unquenchable Fire, where no soul has yet to be cast, but is set as a place of eternal judgment appointed by God in the future for the wicked. Sounds a lot like Revelation. He further says, but for the just, their soul is led by angels of the Lord who guard the souls of men to a place of light where there is no torment, there is no great heat, there is no cold, but they all have some enjoyment and some peace in the things there, but there is still a sense of waiting for something better to come. And this place is called Abraham's bosom. God will judge the just and he will grant eternal life to the, those who belong to this incorruptible, non-fading kingdom. That day is coming one day. Jesus referenced Abraham's bosom in Luke chapter 16, as well as many other places talking about the resurrection. That was the hope for the Old Testament saint, to hopefully make it into Abraham's bosom, a place away from earth, a place away from God, a place away from judgment, but just a place that is somewhat comfortable. And what I think happened was God looked down at the righteous and said, this place in the afterlife is not good enough for who is to come one day, and that is my son. Amen. David and other psalmists began to prophesy about Messiah and his death in the afterlife, and they said of him that God would redeem the soul of Messiah from the power of the grave, Psalm 49. Amen. Messiah would one day escape the power of the grave. Adam never escaped the power of the grave. Abraham never did. David never did. Isaiah, none of them ever escaped the power of the grave. But the prophecy said that Messiah, when he would come, would escape the power of the grave. And he did. They also prophesied in Psalm, you have delivered my soul from the depths of hell. Not only would Messiah escape from the grave itself, but Messiah would one day escape from hell, the underworld. It also says in a place, you will not leave my soul in hell, nor your holy one to see corruption, Psalm 16 and 10. 
So we have three great prophecies about Messiah when he would die, that the grave would no longer hold him. Literally, his physical grave could not contain his body. Hell itself, hell itself could not contain the soul of Messiah. And then thirdly, Messiah's body would never see corruption, meaning there would be no decay in his body. And that is what we celebrated this past Sunday, the resurrection of our Lord. The grave could not hold him. Hell could not contain him. And when he came out of the grave, death had never caused any decay on his body, just like the prophets foresaw. You think about that. Up until that time, the grave had power over every soul. The underworld had power over every soul. And decay, death, corrupting the body had power over every soul. But Jesus Christ was the first one to conquer all three of those. Not only did the psalmist see it, the prophets see it, but Jesus himself even foresaw it in saying, as Jonah was in the belly of a whale, the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. That's the power of prophecy. That's the power of fulfillment of prophecy. And that is the power of our God. You know, he didn't come to make everybody a millionaire, although if God blesses you like that, go for it. He didn't come to give everybody life and longevity, although if you live to be 100 years old, God bless you. You know what I'd rather have? I'd rather live only 30 years and die saved than 300 years and die lost. Jesus said, I wanted to go back to the very beginning of the problem of mankind, and that is to fix the ultimate, the ultimate consequence for their sin, and that is to erase death altogether. That is why people came out of the graves after his resurrection as a sign to everybody, not only am I coming out of this grave, but I'm not going to go alone. All of the saints are coming with me. Praise the Lord. Jesus didn't come just to do everything for himself. He did it for us. He did it for the world. But before he birthed the church, before he built it on a rock, before he did great things for the future of mankind, the Lord extended his grace all the way back through to the Old Testament saints. In the book of Hosea, chapter number 13 and verse number 14, you want to write down some scriptures that connect to this idea of the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. We'll read it together here. The prophet said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. That's a prophecy for Old Testament saints who were down in the underworld that one day Messiah would come and ransom them from the power of the grave and the power of death. That was the hope that the Old Testament saints had, that one day a Messiah would come and redeem them from eternity in the underworld. And God would then judge and make plagues upon death and make plagues upon the grave. Praise the Lord. On over into the book of Zechariah, chapter number 9, 
and verse number 11. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 11. The prophet said, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. What's the blood of the covenant? And this was seen a hundred or so years before Jesus Christ came. The blood of the covenant, that's the blood upon the cross. And through that blood, who was in prison? Old Testament saints. Their souls were down in the underworld, Abraham's bosom. But through the blood of the covenant of Messiah, he would set them free. On over into the New Testament, Jesus prophesied about this event in bringing the Old Testament saints out of the underworld. John chapter 5 and verses number 24 through number 30. John 5, John chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all those who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who sent me. Jesus said it would happen that the hour is going to come, that all of the dead, they're going to hear the voice calling unto them to either come out to the resurrection of life or the resurrection of condemnation. That's not the church. That is the Old Testament souls, whether they were good or whether they were evil. That is who Jesus is talking about, that all of those who had died before he had ever arrived, from Adam to Jesus... They are going to soon, from the grave, down in the underworld, hear the voice of God. On over into Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8, excuse me, 8 through 10. Ephesians chapter 4, 8 through 10. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this... He ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. This is a quotation from Psalm 68. It's saying Messiah ascended up into heaven. That's where he is. But before he ever did that, what did he do first? He descended into the lower parts of the earth. And what did he do down there? He took all of the captives who were down there, the Old Testament saints, and led them up to where he was. The place, amen, that Jesus calls paradise. Amen. Lastly, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 
verses 18 through 20. 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. Therefore, there is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject unto him. Peter is talking about the Lord's time while he was in hell. And he says there was a group of people that the Lord even brought out of hell and brought them up into heaven. It was the souls who were once disobedient. Was Noah disobedient? No. Was his wife or his children? No. Who was disobedient? The people who did not hear the preaching of Noah. The preaching of Noah. And what I think happened here was there were people who did not obey the preaching of Noah. But as soon as they saw that ark door shut and the rains began to fall and floodwaters began to arise, they realized we were wrong. And Noah was right. And if Noah is right, God is right. And as the flood waters came upon them, they repented of their sins. Now they drowned in the flood. Their soul went down into the underworld. But because of their repentance, when Messiah came down there, as he said, those who had done good, I'm bringing them out of this place up into paradise with me. And he looked at all the generation of those who repented as the water came up. And he said, This is kind of like how baptism is going to be. And as a sign for one day what baptism would be, I'm going to take you out of this underworld into paradise with me. Hallelujah. We were on our way to death. We were on our way to hell. But baptism that the Bible says saves us. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that it's a public profession of a private faith. Oh, no, but it says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who is born of the water is going to be saved. And as Noah was saved by the flood, just like us getting into that water, we go down in the water and come up, but not all of us comes up. You know what stays in the water? All of your sin, all of your original sin, all of your baggage, all of the trouble of the spirit world. And you arise in the newness of life. That's the hope of Jesus. That you don't have to die lost. That you don't have to die and worry about what's going to happen to your soul. But he hung on a cross not only for the church, but also the Old Testament church. All of those saints who were in eternal torment. And he said, I'm going to pay the price for them. And he went down into hell for all of the Old Testament saints. And through prophecy of the Old Testament prophets, the prophecy of Jesus, and the teaching of the apostles, we know who came out of those graves after the resurrection. It was some of those who had died just before Jesus died. 
When he came out of that grave, I've heard C.P. Thomas teach this, that all of the thousands, maybe even millions of Old Testament saints, their souls were with him right around that grave. That is why he told Mary, do not touch me. I am caught between a world and another world that you cannot take part of. And he took them all up into paradise at that moment. But not all of the souls of the Old Testament saints went into paradise. It says some of them, their souls re-entered their body and after his resurrection, they came out of that grave. Just like Lazarus came out of the grave, just like Jesus came out of the grave, there were souls of people who had died just maybe four days before Jesus as a witness of his resurrection and his power. Jesus took their souls out of the underworld put them back in their body, and they came out of those graves, wandering into the city and testified of what they'd experienced. Praise the Lord. I've read a lot of Christian tradition about this, probably too much, to be honest with you. But once you get going, you just can't stop when it comes to the Word of God. I've read some Christian history, including a writing that is accredited to Nicodemus. And he wrote, he said, there were two men by the name of Charinus, and Linthias, Charnas and Linthias, who were saints that testified to Jerusalem people and also to the high priest that they were down in Abraham's bosom, a place that they felt was not their final destination. And they heard the voice of one crying out to them, come up unto me. And they looked and saw Jesus and their souls were taken out of the underworld and back into their bodies and they bear witness that the Lord did descend down into the lower parts of the earth and raise them from the dead. There are other writings about this. It really happened just like the Bible said. Praise God. You musicians would please come. I know I talked to you a lot about the Old Testament and the Old Testament saints, but the New Testament believed that the Old Testament was our schoolmaster, Peter said. It was written for our learning. It was written for our understanding. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy all that Old Testament. Oh, no, I came to fulfill it. I came to become it. I came to fill in all of the gaps that it had. I've come to become all of these things for you. Praise God. What I believe is happening here at this moment is a typology of what will one day happen in the rapture, as Christ's resurrection awakened the Old Testament dead and brought them unto heaven, the day is going to come when the rapture of the church will awaken, amen, all of the dead saints, the souls of us who are in paradise, amen, are going to reunite with our body and we're going to rise out of the graves, amen, glorified. And you better believe it, all those who are left for the tribulation are going to see the graves open of all of the saints of the New Testament church all throughout this world. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. God made us from the earth. And when we die, we return to the earth. And then God will bring us up from the earth once again at the rapture, the resurrection. This event that we read about in this resurrection season in Matthew 27, the bodies of the saints raised up to the resurrection, it is typology of what is going to one day happen that you read about in Revelation and in other books. Amen. The Old Testament prophets foresaw 
the Lord having power over the grave, power over hell, power over the decay of his body. They foresaw that Messiah would take all of the Old Testament saints out of the grave. But there was one prophet, Isaiah chapter number 26 and verse number 19. Isaiah 26 and verse number 19. Isaiah the prophet foresaw the rapture and the catching away of the church. He said, your dead shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Praise God. That's us. One day we will arise. One day we will sing, and one day we will be caught up together into heaven. You want to know why Jesus said the first shall be last and the last shall be first? When that day comes, when we all gather around heaven, it won't be Adam is the oldest person and whoever is the youngest person in the church to make it up in heaven. Oh, no. We'll all be born again and renewed as one that day. Adam will no longer be the oldest. He will be one day old in the heavenly realm, just like all of us. We will all be, as it were, brother and sisters together in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Father. For the Lord Jesus brought all the Old Testament saints unto himself, and he is bringing all of the New Testament saints unto himself. This is the power of Messiah, the one who had power over the grave, the one who had power over hell, the one who had power over corruption. That is why we cry in church, sometimes not even knowing it. You know why? Because we know we don't have nothing to fear in death. You and I have nothing to fear in hell. You know why? Because Jesus already paid the price for you. He already died for you, and he already went to hell for you. So you and I wouldn't have to go down there to that place. But you and I, no matter what happens, whether you die of COVID-19 or you live to be 150 years old, no matter what happens, if you have been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and given up on this world and repented of your sins and in submission to the word, to our bishop, to our God, amen, you have something to hope for, and that is a life in heaven. I believe in picking out a gravestone. You know, that's a nice thing to do to plan for all of that. But you've got to understand this. I don't care how beautiful your gravestone is. It doesn't have power over you. Amen. Let's all stand. I remember asking the late, great evangelist Charles Mahaney about all of this. And I said, Brother Mahaney, so when the Lord calls out for us with the voice of the archangel, are people literally going to come out of the ground? And he said, you better believe it. I'm going to blow a big hole through that ground. Hallelujah. Praise God. The graves are going to open up one day. This rapture that we're talking about is going to happen. It happened 2,000 years ago for the Old Testament saints, and it's going to happen for the New Testament saints. That is the hope of the resurrection. You and I, we should be thinking about our mortality and our immortality that is supposed to come every day. To be ready for it, to hasten it. To call upon the Lord for it. Jesus taught us every day, pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. And if you pray, Lord, let your kingdom come, what you're saying is, Lord, let me be ready for it because it can happen at any moment. I mean, wake up. We're seeing 
pestilence. We're seeing war and rumors of war. And they're talking about food shortages and famines. These are things that bring terror upon the world. Men's hearts failing them for fear. But Jesus said, when you see these things, don't you look down, look up. He said, when you see these things, don't worry about it because God even knows the number of the hairs on your head. And if he knows the hairs, he knows your heart. He knows your life. And he said, I won't leave you comfortless, but I'm going to be with you always, even till the end of time. Some of you right now, maybe you feel like the grave has power over you, over you physically, over your emotions. You feel like death is trying to cheat you out of this life. You feel like you have no joy. You feel like you have no comfort. Oh, my friend, the Lord has come to give you power over the grave, the power over depression, the power over darkness. If you've got hell fighting against you, the Lord's resurrection has power over hell itself. I've just come to preach to you tonight that God is going to raise the saints out of that grave. And if we're going to have victory then, we can have victory now. Hallelujah. If you need a little bit of victory in your life from our resurrected Lord, I invite all of the saints to the altar tonight. Amen. Come out of your grave. Come out of your grave clothes. Dance out of them as it were. Amen. Come and enjoy, amen, the newness of life that we have before the Lord. Hallelujah. He had you in mind when he came out of that grave. He had you in mind when he ascended up into heaven. He did it for us, for our souls. He did it for us for being lost. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We have hope. We have hope. We have hope. We have hope. Lord, I pray, Lord, you help somebody to rise right now in their hearts. To rise right now in their soul. To rise right now in their spirits. Hallelujah. I curse the grave. I curse hell. I curse darkness. I curse hopelessness. And amen. May the spirit of joy be released upon us. May the spirit of faith be released upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life is yours. Life is yours. Amen. He came to make all things new. Hallelujah, newness is you. Get a hold of it, get a hold of it, get a hold of it, hallelujah. Get a hold of it, hallelujah. I call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for the life church. I call upon the God of Peter, James, and John, hallelujah. I call upon the God of Charles Mahaney to come down to us, hallelujah. Father, come down right now and be upon us in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.